Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by MJ Carlson of Electric Picks, jewelry where each piece is curated with thought, crafted with love, and destined to live your best adventures with you. What I find really fascinating about MJ's story is her emphasis on community. They establish such a strong community with not only their influencers, but also their loyal customers. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by MJ Carlson of Electric Picks. MJ, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, so I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Um, Where did you grow up, and what would you say your childhood was like? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, and just for anybody who's not familiar, I am the founder and CEO of Electric Picks Jewelry. We started in 2011 at my dining room table, and it's now run by my best friend, John Tell, and myself. We are contemporary jewelry, and we have a lifetime guarantee, which is rare in our industry. Mm. So going into my childhood, I actually started making jewelry when I was six years old, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago and selling it at my daycare. So I was selling the jewelry to all of the other kids at my daycare. And after selling it to the kids for a few months, the moms at pickup started coming to me and asking me to place orders for jewelry as well. So I would take orders on Monday. Wait, how old were you? I'm sorry. I was six. Six years old. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, I would take orders at at my daycare and I would take them on Monday and I would fulfill them on Friday. Oh my gosh. I think I charged maybe between 50 cents and a dollar per bracelet. And it was those woven friendship bracelets. So, you know, my pricing scale, it varied. If you had more colors or if the pattern was more difficult, I was charging more for them. I was just always, I always had a really entrepreneurial spirit. I was hustling Thin Mints in Girl Scouts. Yeah. I, I remember going with my neighbor, my best friend, Jenny, into one of our neighbor's backyard. We mm-hmm. we had permission and we took all of the blackberries off their tree, took them to my mom's kitchen counter. We're smashing up blackberries, making a homemade jam, put ribbons on the jars, and then tried to sell this jam around <laughs> the neighborhood at around eight or nine years old. And oh my gosh. I think some neighbors took pity on us and, <laughs> and bought jam from us. But I think I just realized at a very young age that I wanted to make my own money. My parents, they both had very corporate jobs, Mm. both in the government. My mom worked for Social Security and my dad was in law enforcement. Wow. I I think like a lot of families and corporate jobs, I just saw the restraints on what they could do and what they could do for us kids Mm. and the time we could spend together as a family. So I realized, you know, at a young age that I kind of wanted to make my own rules Mm. and then going into high school um jewelry was really always just a refuge for me yeah i was bullied badly in high school i remember going to a football game during sophomore year and a senior girl she took a cup and a drink and dumped it over my head at the football game and i never went back to Mm. another football game and while my friends were out I was at home and I would I would make jewelry. Mm. And you know, I didn't even talk about being bullied for years after that. I was so I think embarrassed by it, yeah. but I wanted to figure out a way to take that pain and, mm. you know, make it purposeful. So yeah. we at Electric Picks actually launched a collaboration with Pine Campaign. They're the mm. leading anti-bullying nonprofit. 
we made a necklace that said kind and a matching bracelet That's and incredible. we gave 100% of the proceeds, every single dollar we made off of it back to kind campaign going towards mm. anti-bullying. And we used like our leveraged our personal network. We had over 80 celebrities and influencers, people like Sophia Bush and Megan Monaghan all wow. about bullying. And I think the more we speak to it, you know, the more unacceptable it becomes. So mm. I think a lot of, a lot of things like my values from my childhood really influenced yeah. how we run the business today. Totally. Now, I love how you guys take such emphasis in the mission itself. Um, before we get back into that, I would love to hear. You, so I saw what you went on to Northern Illinois uh, University. What led that decision? Was jewelry, was that playing a role in that, your university time as well? And kind of what did that look like, that time period? Yeah, you know, I, I took the traditional route and I went to school for <laughs> PR and business. But yeah. I always loved fashion. I think just growing up in that Midwest culture, it never seemed like it was an option for me. I didn't know any friends that went to fashion school. No one's parents were, you know, supporting them going into careers in fashion. So, you know, I went to school and I went that traditional business route, like going into PR and I paid my way through my entire education. I worked two to three jobs while I was in school all year round while I was in classes over break over the summer. But a way that I, you know, found within that business degree to pair it with fashion was through internships. Mm. I did most of my internships at magazines. So okay. I was doing the PR, but I was just so interested in the fashion aspect of it. And yeah. I think that's something that I would really recommend for anyone is to get real world experience while mm. you're in college because you know, my education, what it was for wasn't necessarily what I ended up going into, but that real life experience had so much value for me. And I also think that you kind of have to get creative when you're looking to get an internship. It's very competitive. We just launched our fall internships on LinkedIn mm. and we had hundreds of applicants for each position. But wow, last week, um, there was a knock on our door and a girl walked in and she had a resume printed up in electric picks pink. And she was like, I saw your uh, internships post online and I'd really love to apply. I love your company. I love marketing. And she dropped off her resume. And after she left, our whole office was like, we have to set up an interview with her. You know, she came yeah. here. Her resume is in our colors. So I think that just, you know, for other entrepreneurs, I really recommend getting real world experience to figure out if something's mm. good for you. And getting creative to really make sure it's the exact experience that that you're looking for. Definitely. I love that. So at the kickstart, around 2011 of Electric Picks, um, you and your co-founder came together. If you can explain also her background, what brought you two together to then officially launch? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was working in Miami after college mm -hmm. and I had a nine to five in event planning. And I think like a lot of people in those nine to fives, I just came home every day and felt exhausted. And I was just unfulfilled. It wasn't lighting me up in my career. So I started mm. making jewelry again. I actually started watching YouTube videos and learning how to, to make different types of jewelry. So I started making jewelry. I started wearing it and people started asking me about it. And that really gave me the confidence to start pursuing it full time. I moved from Miami to New York and mm. 
I found FIT, which has amazing continuing education classes and it's a public school. So they were very, you know, reasonable. And I got that FIT class book and I literally circled every single class I could take in there. I found our first metalsmith mm. through one of my teachers at FIT. I learned wow. what the lookbook was, a line sheet. I had absolutely no experience in the fashion industry. So it was just a wealth of knowledge for me. And yeah. I would take night classes at FIT. And during the week, I was going around store to store into different boutiques in New York City, just covered in jewelry, wearing it, hoping <laughs> they would ask me about it, trying to get them to pick up the line. And on weekends, I was doing markets in Brooklyn, mm. selling selling electric picks. And I left my, my job in Miami. I was using my entire savings to start the company. So failure was just not an option. A lot of it was really going yeah. door to door to boutiques was really intimidating for me, but I had no backup plan. I had no safety net. Um, so I was like, electric picks has to work out. And um, <laughs> luckily at one of the markets I was doing, Urban Outfitters saw us there and I'm walking through Union Square one day and my phone rings and it was them and they wanted to place a very large order for Black Friday. And this was oh, October. Yeah. So I think that was around six weeks away. Yeah. And I was still making all of the jewelry. Oh my gosh. At that time. So <laughs> I made at my dining room table this thousand piece order for Urban Outfitters. And then it was stretchy bracelets they had ordered at that time. I realized yeah. I made them all one bead too short. I had to take them all apart and remake this order. And that's when I realized we needed a production team. Um, <laughs> but we made them all at my dining room table. My now business partner, Chantelle, actually helps me pack them all up and UPS mm -hmm. pick them up and um, we ship them from my, my dining room. And I think that's one of the points where I realized, wow, there is just this mm -hmm. demand for high quality jewelry that's affordable um yeah. so going back to Chantel, she had two very small children she had just had a baby at that time when i launched the company but she always helped me with the with the design <laughs> of the pieces yeah. she actually is self-taught as well she learned how to make jewelry on youtube she i think her daughter was maybe around four years old and she had bought her daughter a bracelet making kit and her daughter wanted nothing to do with it. And she ended up one night just taking out the instruction and starting to make all of the pieces herself. Um, <laughs> so after her kids, I think I had electric picks about two years. She was mm -hmm. always coming up with designs. We were always on calls about it. Um, but after about two years, when her kids were a little bit older, she called me one day and she was like, I, I want to do this with you. Like we do mm. everything together. We are best friends. I want to be a part of electric picks. So that's when she ended up coming on to electric picks as well. Oh, that's incredible. So at this time, all the way, this is the two year period. Is it still just you and then her assisting at this time? Did you bring other people on to assist on some purchase orders? What did that look like? Yeah, for the first two years, it was mostly just me. And I actually didn't take a salary for the first two years as well, <laughs> um, which I would do again in a heartbeat. I just love. Yeah. I love electric picks and I love what we do. I found some help 
for production because that was the most time consuming part in the garment mm. district in New York City. Um, yeah. I went to my suppliers. So the people, I was buying everything locally for the jewelry and I just started asking the local vendors that I was working with, hey, mm. do you know anybody that's doing production? And one of my vendors was like, actually, we have a production team here. So they, mm. I would get the orders and then send it to them and they would do the production. But at that point, I mean, I was customer care I was shipping, I was sales. I mean, I have done every single role that we have in this oh company, gosh. which I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have as well. Are you ready to transform your home with timeless elegance of fox flowers and plants? Look no further than Diane James Home, your go-to destination for exquisite floral arrangements that can brighten any room with minimal maintenance. Diane James Home understands the power of flowers to finish a home and change your day. Their expert team meticulously selects the finest stems and crafts exquisite designs with utmost care. Whether you're looking to refresh your living room, bedroom, or any space in your home, their Fox Floral Arrangements is the perfect choice. With two seasonal collections a year, they stay ahead of the latest home decor trends, ensuring your space is always elevated with the latest beauty. Personally, I know many interior designers who resort to Diane James Home for their floral needs, and for myself, I have a custom orchid on display right when you walk in my front door. Whether for yourself or for a friend, I highly recommend Diane James Home for your go-to interior arrangements. Make sure to check them out at dianejameshome.com. That's dianejameshome.com. And enjoy the rest of the episode. So, yeah, looking at Electric Picks today, you guys have such a wide variety. You're always launching new releases and partnerships. In those days, what what did going to Electric Picks, if you would order a bracelet, what, what would that look like for a consumer? How many options? And I'm sure a lot of custom pieces too. What did that look like? Back in 2013 around? Yeah, 2013. Yeah, in that that space. When we very first started, we were primarily wholesale. The market was so different. If you had a website in 2011, 2012, Instagram didn't exist. Mm. I don't think Pinterest was around yet. It was really difficult to get traffic to your website. So what we started doing was the trade shows. So Mm. we would go to Coterie in New York City. We would go to project in las vegas and we would set up a booth at the trade shows and we would sell to retailers so our primary goal back then was um wholesale and that switched so much um social media has really changed that it's such a great opportunity to be Mm. a business now because there's so many ways that you can get your community to your website and that really wasn't available Mm. back in 2013 so we were yeah. primarily, we were probably 90% wholesale back then, okay. which is crazy to say because now we are 85% DTC and 15% <laughs> wholesale. Wow. That's incredible. So yeah, I would love to hear kind of that shift and transition. Um, how did you approach um, then onboarding onto more digital and direct consumer and kind of leveraging social media um, going forward from there? I, It was really a natural progression uh, as we saw you know the capabilities with social media yeah we just realized there's now a way that we can directly reach out to people and get them to come to our website Mm. as a small business prior to social media you had to get a radio ad you had to have a tv spot or a billboard and as a new brand we couldn't afford any of those things so once we saw social media i mean i think we just were like we get this. Um, so we were yeah. really early adapter to working with influencers For sure. and really just finding people to partner with who genuinely loved our brand. Mm. We, 
it was never like transactional. I think you can tell so much when a brand is just paying someone or someone's just being paid to say something. Absolutely. I think we're also like the community has just gotten smart. So we really wanted to partner with people that genuinely loved our product. So when we'd see someone wearing it and tagging it, we'd reach out, we'd develop relationships. I'd grab coffee with them. So I think we've really built strong, genuine relationships with a lot of influencers. And then also kind of ran our own page a little bit like a founder focused led influencer content as well, where, you know, we share so much electric picks, but I also share behind the scenes of like my family, my life and my Mm. style to try to give, you know, our community a little bit more to connect with. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I know a couple other brands who have leveraged that way too, is kind of like the founder transparency of this is really your story. And I think that's the beauty of starting small of sharing this as well as like, this branch from your early years, six years old, all the way through high school. It's like sharing that with your customers makes them trust and be loyal in the, at the end of the day. Um, kind of going back to those early years, you kind of you would go to the jewelry when you were bullied back then. So how does that play a role in electric picks today? I know there's a, a benefit factor. You guys are mission driven. So can you kind of speak on that as well? What it looks like today? I think the the bullying really, really led me to want to connect with missions like mm. Kind Campaign yeah. that were personal for me. So we partnered with Kind Campaign. They're the leading anti-bullying nonprofit because mm-hmm. of me being bullied in, part, in, in high school. I really just wanted to, to do everything that we could to make yeah. sure that that doesn't happen to other young women because it was it really affected me for a long time and it affected my confidence growing up. Mm. We've partnered with other charities. We did a collaboration with Laura Beverlin and she's publicly gone through six rounds of IVF now. Mm. And we launched a St. Gerard necklace, which he is the patron saint of motherhood. Mm. And we've been, we've given 10% of proceeds from that necklace back to baby quest, which is an IVF grant fund. Mm. And we've donated together with Laura over $120,000 to baby quest. Now I actually, um, I had two miscarriages when I was Mm. trying to get pregnant with my second. So that was a cause that was really personal to me as well. Again, I know I said it before, but I think when you have that, we all have things that are pain points for us. So yeah we can make those pain points bring purpose to them. Mm. I feel like it makes it all worth it, you know? Definitely, definitely. I love that. Um, yeah, kind of building that community um, around that. And if you can kind of speak on what community means towards the brand, um, not only like developing partnerships with influencers, but also kind of tying in your story. How do you guys establish a community and retain that? You kind of spoke on it in the early days, but what does that community look like for Electric Picks? Community is so important to Electric Picks. We live in a connection economy. We involve our community in a lot of our decisions. So Mm. things like on Instagram, we will survey our community. What color would you like to see this in? What size would you like to see this in? Do you want it in a a hoop or a stud? So that they're really with us from the initial design and product phases of Mm. our pieces. And then we'll do things like involve them in naming pieces as well. So I think giving the community a lot of insight into the process. Also, they are the best sounding board because they're the end consumer of the product. So their feedback is 
so important. If you can get community feedback, like it's invaluable. And that's just, that's a way that we do it is a lot through social here. Definitely. So kind of taking some of that feedback and looking at your community, I'm curious, what would you say is the main demographic overall, if you can depict that? I think our girl is the girl next door who really loves to layer jewelry. She um, is, you know, 25 to 38 and enjoys enjoys fashion. Incredible. Um, yeah, looking at internally now, so if a customer or listener were to go on electric picks, you mentioned direct consumer is majority of the business now. What does that logistical process look like? Do you guys hold an inventory in-house? Do you have a 3PL? I'm curious, what does that look like? So we actually ship everything in-house still. We have looked into getting 3PLs, but it takes a lot of the mailability away. You cannot be as nimble. Sometimes we'll, you know, have a great idea. Like we just did a gift card day. We were launching physical gift cards and we wanted to put a gift card into every order for one day. Mm. There's things like that you just can't do with a 3PL. And I think our marketing strategy um, really pairs with with shipping in-house for now. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's, yeah, personal way you guys can add notes. You can get personalized with those as well. Um, how, what does the team look like today? So we talked about you, you two starting it out, you starting it by yourself. What does the team look like to be able to scale at that level um, shipping in-house? I'm, I'm curious. So started, ship, started the company at my dining room table, and today yeah. we are a team of 20, and Great. our office is in Hoboken, New Jersey, so right outside of New York City. Yeah. And, you know, it's grown slowly throughout the years. I think that you team is the most important thing for mm-hmm. a business. If you have a great team, you have a great company. So yeah. we've always really been slow in our hiring process because company culture is so incredibly important to me. For sure. I love Mondays. I am that person. I love jewelry. I love electric picks. We work five out of seven days every week. So you should get to come to an office and an environment that you love. So um, I really think that hiring is one of the biggest parts of growth, but also needs to be just done very thoughtfully. For sure. Yeah. Well, MJ, I'd like to conclude each episode with this. Um, If you can share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, uh, what would you say that would be? There's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur than today. There are so many resources. You can build a free website on Shopify. That being said, there's more businesses today than there's ever been in history. So you have to be more than just a product. You have to build a community. We live in a connection economy. Two ways that we do that at Electropix is through our philanthropy. It's something that is ongoing. It is a pillar at our business. It's August, so going back to school this month, mm-hmm. we've been supporting teachers and clearing their wish lists on Amazon for their classrooms. And then a second way we do that is going back to what I mentioned before, really involving our community yeah. in our thought processes, sizes, designs, naming. You know, I think my advice to any new potential business owner is that what makes a brand powerful is more than just the products. It's Mm. the purpose behind it. Yeah. I love that. 
Amazing. Well, MJ, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Electric Picks at electricpicks.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.